Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorinda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorinda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 27-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm the author of three books, The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is a devotional written specifically for homeschool moms, and The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life. You can find those books on Amazon, and you can find them at my website, DorendaWilson.com. Well, today we're going to be talking about money-saving tips. I think uh, pretty much everyone is agreeing that uh, the prices of groceries have gone up significantly. Um, A lot of things have gone up in price, and so now we're here trying to use the income that we've had um, that probably hasn't gone up (laughs) and somehow make it work uh, with inflation. And so... um, my husband and I uh, are here today together, so uh, welcome, Daryl. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually in our walk-in closet with the door shut. Uh, we are still getting the she shed uh, fixed up and ready for recording. Um, so we've got a little lamp in here. We're surrounded by our favorite clothes, uh, which, by the way, he has more clothes than I do. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> And I think more shoes, don't you? <laughs> but that's okay. That's the way we roll. Um, but I wanted Daryl to do this with me because obviously this is this is teamwork. This is something we've done as a team. And how it's looked is he has been the sole breadwinner um, throughout all of these years. So he has um, basically uh, supported a family of 10 for many, 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 many years on a uh, very modest income. And it's just been amazing to watch how the Lord has taught us uh, different things that have been helpful, um, the way he has provided unexpectedly so many times. Um, But we were really committed to uh, me staying home with the kids and homeschooling and him being the sole breadwinner, which meant it was going to get tough sometimes. And it really, it did. There Mm -hmm. were times that it was, but what an opportunity for us to grow as a couple and then um, for us to grow as a family, for our kids to see that money wasn't everything and that, and also to be creative in ways to save money. And we, we involved them in that because we felt like, you know, this makes them part of something bigger than themselves. So we didn't burden them with our financial burdens, but we did talk about, you know, okay, well, things are kind of tight right now. So this is what we're going to do. And this is what we're not going to do. So they would understand. And turned out to be great training for them now oh, that they're married and having kids. Yes. And- we laugh all the time because our son is a, a software engineer for Amazon. And the guy lives on a modest budget, even though his income is, he doesn't need to, let's put it that way, <laughs> not even close, but he chooses to because he, I think he knows that there's freedom in that. And, and it's like, you have always uh, said opportunity cost. Mm-hmm. Um, that was at the very beginning of our marriage. Um, I was, I don't know, I was buying a latte or something. And, and you were like, you weren't telling me I couldn't. I don't know. We were having a discussion about whether that was a good you know, decision or not. And, and I, I said, well, it's just a latte. And you said, yeah, but, but it's like, the real, like, the real cost of that is right. what you can't buy with that money. Right. Now. So even if it was, it was like $3 and 50 cents back then. <laughs> um, but he was, he said, you know, opportunity cost is basically if you spend it there, you can't spend it somewhere else. So you're limiting yourself um, in a way if you're frivolously spending. And there's freedom in having some element of uh, some boundaries and and living within your means. 
And it can actually be really fun and really challenging. We always kind of looked at it as an adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you felt the weight of it a little bit more because you you were the provider. But w- I never felt um, like you know, like I was missing out on something. It wasn't a woe is me thing. It was hey, let's get creative and right. work through this and right. let's pray about it and watch the Lord intervene and provide what we need. Right. And sometimes you would come to me and you would feel kind of bad, like, okay, we're going to have to tighten our belts. And the best response that I could give him, which I tried to give him, and I think I did, um, was, okay, let's just tell me what I have to spend and, and I will stay within those limits and uh, and just tried to start to think of it as an adventure, looking for ways to, to you know, for me to make money by saving money. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, I'm going to, we're going to just share some tips with you today uh, that have been super helpful for us. I think one of the first big things that we did that was a huge um, asset was a cash envelope system. Right. Right. So right. tell them how that works. Well, just for your basic items that you're buying, you know, you've got an envelope for food, you've got an envelope for gas, you've got an envelope for um, entertainment, and that would include babysitting fees and eating out and whatnot. Uh, You've got a clothing envelope. um, And then our food envelope, that included uh, sundries, uh, diapers, paper towels, teepee soap, stuff like that. So it's sort of like when the envelope is empty, you're done spending in that category. You can borrow from other categories, but uh, when the envelopes are empty, uh, you... You're done. So basically, you're taking a step back. You're looking at, okay, what is our average utility bill? What are our average, you know, what do we typically spend on gas? And then look at all of that and see if there are ways that you can save money in those areas. Um, for instance, maybe we're taking too many trips to the grocery store and we can just take one mm-hmm. a week instead of three a week, which right. also saves you money on the other end because you never buy that just that one thing that you went in for, right? right? That right. just doesn't happen. So um, so we had these envelope, this envelope system, and it was so freeing. Um, you had the amount on the outside of the total that we had to spend for that month. And so it was, it was, it was like a, a game, an adventure to sort of figure out how were we gonna, you know, how are we gonna do it on this. And there were times we had to make adjustments, you know, as we added kids to the family, we needed a little more in each envelope. Um, but when it came to things like, um, oh, you had the envelope for gas, right? You mentioned mm-hmm. that, but that, uh, you can also do a separate one, um, or in the same envelope, auto maintenance and repairs. So if you don't have any repairs or maintenance that month, take that money and pay it forward to the next month because then you'll be ready for those surprises right. uh, that come right. along because cars break down. It happens. And can we just recommend AAA? We can't recommend AAA enough. <laughs> it's saved us so many times. It doesn't cost very much every year. You use it once and it has more than paid for itself. Yeah, we've had you know flat tires, locked our keys in the car, um, and they're they're just great. So if you don't have that, it's what sixty. It's about ours is, is around a hundred bucks a, a year. A year, which is I mean that's that's a tow. Right. Uh, right. Uh, well, a tow costs more than that. But then we've got our kids on, and your kids can be on it up till the age of twenty five. Right. And theirs is only like thirty five bucks a, a year year. So it's just... It's so great. It's great for them, and it saves me from having to run out and rescue them when they can just call AAA. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So that was... uh, Having those envelopes was one of the the big things that really... uh, It was a reality check 
mm-hmm. know, when you're paying cash for things. It's real. And you, you know, know there's spending. only so much more left at home in the envelope. It's it's very real. It becomes very real. And I think that's so important in an age of debit cards and PayPal. It's easy to think about money as not actually being real. And this makes you feel it a mm-hmm. little bit more. And we also had an envelope, uh, you said, for entertainment. And right. what that included was, you know, let's just – you. you Tendency, we would we would tend to be pragmatic and say we don't need entertainment, but you know what we do? Quality of life. Like maybe we want to hit the cheap night at the movies once a month. Like we've got a cheap night that's five bucks, or maybe we could or seven. We could afford to pay the sitter and go out for coffee. Right, but we couldn't. But we couldn't pay a sitter and go out for dinner. (laughs) Right. So we just we just had some great quality time and right had coffee. Right. But we took the time together. We dated regularly. And there are affordable ways. Sometimes we would drive back on our property mm-hmm. uh, with, a, with a phone and we'd roll out a carpet and some chairs and we'd have a date back there by ourselves. Right. And the kids and, were home and they were they were old enough at that point to be left home. Unfortunately, I remember we were up on a hill right. and they were outside and all the sound came we up We could the hill. hear everything <laughs> that was going on. So if there were blood-curdling screams, we'd, we'd, we'd know, know it and we could yeah. drive back home. Exactly. And they all survived and they're all, they all live to adulthood, right? Okay. So another thing, um, and I know a lot of you moms already do this, is utilize the library. It's huge. Use your, your library as part of a larger system. So if there are books you want, um, check the library first instead of just jumping on Amazon and purchasing them. Uh, Amazon does a lot of times have a, a, a very less expensive, a used version of it for a fraction of the of the price if you're not finding it at the library or you know it's one you want to write in or have for a long time. So that's another option. Most of you probably know that. But um, you can also make requests to the library. You say, you don't have this book. I want to request that you purchase this book. I've had people do that with my book. They're like, well, our library should have the Unhurried Homeschooler, and I told them so. I said, well, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> and so they do take suggestions, so you can do that as well. Um, now, for me, on my end, one of the things that I did I think that helped the most or helped a lot over the years was cooking uh, simply. Uh, we cooked very simple meals. Um, I, I cooked from scratch, um, so that's huge right there, just not eating out, not having a bunch of saucy, you know, extra ingredients. You know, pick things that are, you know, six ingredients or less. And and now with the internet, that is so easy to do. Um, again, cooking from scratch. And if you don't know, if you're not, if you're not comfortable with it, learn. Oh. Get on YouTube. There are so many great ways for us to dive in and learn at home. And it tends to be less expensive and healthier. Much because healthier. Because it doesn't have all the sodium and fillers mm-hmm. and preservatives that right. so many of your boxed-up food, pre-prepared foods yep. have. So Absolutely. you get better nutrition, you're healthier, and it saves you a lot of money. Exactly. And I, I also bought in bulk, which I think you know most of you know about that. Now, there can be... Deals out there that you think they're deals, but they're actually not. Yeah, you really do, have to pay attention. Do the math on the bulk stuff because it may not be it, a huge savings. It may not you know. be, no. So um, those were a few things that I did in the kitchen regarding that. Um, okay, so just a quick story, you guys. So first of all, we're in a much more comfortable position now um, over the years. Uh, God has just multiplied my husband's efforts big time. And he's also worked his tail off. So there's that, <laughs> trying to balance the being with family and providing a living. And he's done a great job of that. But the Lord has multiplied his efforts and built um, his investments that that he has. And we'll talk a little bit more about what we did uh, regarding those. Um, because when we started out, 
um, we just, you know, we didn't have a lot. And, and it was slowly built over the years. But God was um, just so faithful. But we were laughing yesterday because um, even though we can afford to buy a lot of things new, um, we were at the rescue mission thrift shop yesterday having a ball. <laughs> I needed a new broiler pan for my kitchen because the other one got wrecked. Um, we used it for the barbecue because the bottom had fallen out of the barbecue. <laughs> Long story, that thing has had it. And we're going to buy a new one. We just didn't want to do it yet. And so um, anyway, so I thought a broiler pan was like three bucks, like $3.50. So picked that up. I needed a few more bowls. And so I picked those up, just glass bowls for mixing. And then this great little dessert Thing, server that I had been looking for at the regular grocery st- or regular stores and couldn't find in here. I found it at the thrift shop. We were thrilled. And then to top it all off, we got up there and they were playing this little spin thing spin the wheel. where they spin the wheel and you save a certain percentage. We saved 35%. So <laughs> our total purchase was about $12 and it went down to like seven. We were thrilled. Uh- <laughs> Simple pleasures. <laughs> but it's these kinds of things. You know, we were, t- we were reading it today in Ecclesiastes how wisdom uh, is, is a protector. Um, and, and I loved that uh, Matthew Henry said, you know, money in a way can be a protector as well. Um, but when you have money and wisdom, that's the best because uh, you can take what God gives you and do so much good with it. And we do good with it by being wise with it. And that's why we're shopping at the rescue mission. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, one another thing that I did along the way, um, there was a local organization called Gleaners, um, and they what they did was they were like a co-op, and what they did was they went to different farmers in the area, and they asked if they could come in and glean the field after they harvested. Because I don't know if you've noticed, if you've been around farming at all, there's usually a, a lot, there can be a lot of stuff left on the edges of the field or in the middle of the field that the machines just don't pick up. So you can go in there and and pick up what's left. And, and you remember Ruth in the Bible? She, yeah, it's a biblical principle. It's yeah. a biblical principle. And so, um, so they would do this regularly, gather it, and you could go in and you paid to be part of this co-op. It was very little, like $15 a month or something. And so you could shop there weekly and pick up things that they had picked up um, for free. Uh, but you also had to volunteer to, um, to work there on the days when they were open. Um, it, it all kind of worked together. So it was like a co-op thing. Now, if you don't have anything like that in your area, um, here's some other ideas that we have done. And that is... If you know people with a garden, um, and I've had a garden, but some years I didn't, and some years maybe my garden wasn't as great as I was hoping. So I would talk to people at my church or people that I knew that had gardens and say, hey, listen, if you have anything extra in your garden that you're just not going to use or you don't want or, you know, whatever, would you let me know? I would love to come and pick whatever you don't want. People they loved that. They mm-hmm. I, they had me come in and, I mean, massive green beans because they're like, I don't have time to can these. We just come and get them. And so that was a great way to to um, multiply, you know, by saving money. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was a, that was great. Um, and then, okay, so we're just kind of jumping from thing to thing. Nothing's necessarily in any certain order. But, you know, sometimes at Christmas time, uh, that can be kind of challenging in terms of gifts. And a lot of times grandparents ask, 
what can we give the grandkids? And one thing that we learned over the years was to ask for experiences that we wouldn't normally be able to afford. So I remember one year I told my mom, like, we don't ever get to go to the theater with all the kids because it would cost us $100. <laughs> we can't do that. So she sent a gift card, and I think she it was like $75. And we used it on a matinee, and we were, I think we were even able to get a little bit of candy to go mm-hmm. with it. But anyway, um, so that was, it. and we went to see a movie that everybody had been wanting to see. And right. so it was just a blast. And they knew that it was from grandpa and grandma. And, um, and so they had this experience that they gave them. Another year, my mom gave them, um, this was before DVD players were actually in the cars. And so she she bought us um, DVD players that Velcro strapped to the back of the the seats. The headrest, yeah. And so that was, I mean, the kids were like over the moon. So they could play DVDs in there and, and that was awesome. So things like that, that you maybe make a list of things that would be nice to have and maybe improve your quality of life as a family, but you can't really afford and then offer those as ideas to the grandparents for Christmas. I talked about budget night at the theater. We've done, what was that one place in Spokane? It was the Garland. Yeah. And how cheap was that? It was like five bucks a person or was it less? Oh, it was like 250 Oh, it was crazy. Yeah. Crazy cheap. And it was, yeah, it was after, just after it was out of the theater, but before it went on to DVD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in that little sweet spot. But you could watch it in the theater, which was way more was fun. It was really, really yeah. fun. <clears throat> And then, of course, thrift shops, which yeah. you still, obviously, we still frequent. So thrift shops, yard sales, um, for clothing and household, and um, even for holiday gifts. We are not above that. Remember that year? Um, it was like the fall. It wasn't even close. To, I wasn't even thinking about Christmas, but Daryl here was thinking about <laughs> Christmas. And um, we had waited a, we had waited probably about as long as we could um, but we hadn't bought the boys any kind of gaming system. They did a little bit of something on computers, but they were really wanting a gaming system, and I was dragging my feet. But then we were at this yard sale, and he found this gaming system, and it was a bargain, and it came with a bunch of games. Of course, we threw out the ones we didn't think were we wanted them to play. Right. And uh, But, yeah, you found that. Yeah, it so was that great. was a great Christmas present for and them, and they didn't care that it was not brand new. It no, worked just the same. They did not care. They were like over the moon excited. So you can, you we give you permission to buy <laughs> holiday gifts at yard sales and the thrift shop. And again, and like you did, buying ahead of time, right? Yeah, I would just see a good deal on something I know they love, and some, it might be August, but right. buy it. The important thing is don't forget where you put it <laughs> exactly. because we'd have this stash and we're going, I know we bought these things. Where are they? You know, I don't so. even remember what they were, <laughs> but I know we bought something and we couldn't find it and couldn't find it. And we'd buy something else. And then after Christmas, we'd be like, dang it, there it is. <laughs> we're cleaning out a cupboard. Uh, make sure you have one place that you can find it in <laughs> one later. One place where the kids aren't going to find yeah. it. That was the trick. We That was the problem is our house was too small and we knew that they would find it somehow. <laughs> so, um, but we've gotten better at that. We're, we're labeling and, and putting away. All right. Um, let's see. Oh, I'm just going to state the obvious that, yeah, our kids don't need brand they names. Don't need, no. no. And that's one of the beauties of homeschooling your children is they're not in a group of people who care generally. Right. You know, they're at home. They, they just want to be comfortable, functional. Right. You know, and if you're going to church, well— 
who cares if it's a name brand? It yeah, just, exactly. It just needs to work. Exactly. We had we had a few sets of Sunday clothes for each kid, maybe two, maybe three outfits for Sundays. Um, and we would rotate those. And then the rest was, you know, I did make the kids get dressed every day. I, I was like, you're going to get up, you're going to get dressed because that sends a message to your body that we're doing something different now. We're not in sleep mode, relaxation mode. And they're like, why can't we just keep our pajamas on? We homeschool. I, I just, I couldn't do that. That no. was just me. That's my preference. Um, I wanted them to learn time. It's kind of like time management. Okay, now we're switching gears and we're we're doing something else. But I will say the boys loved camo and and that was kind of a lifesaver because you can't see a lot of dirt on camo. And <laughs> Spills. The downside was they wanted to wear it when we went into town or they wanted to wear it to church. And I just was like, that's where I, I nixed it. No camo to church and no camo to town. That was like, camo's not a color. It's not happening. <laughs> so um, so our kids do not need name brands. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about how we handled clothing. Um Mostly our boys didn't care about clothing, so it wasn't a big deal. Um, maybe more into their teens, they cared a little bit more. It was mostly the girls who somewhere around their tween, early teen years, suddenly, you know, clothes really mattered more to them. And so we would end up, um, we finally just kind of had to put a boundary. So mm-hmm. we pr- would provide, we'd say, okay, we're going to provide this many pair of underwear, this many pair of socks, this many shirts, this many pants, shoes, etc. And then they had to pay for anything above and beyond that. So they had to earn money. If they wanted a name brand, if they wanted above and beyond the five shirts we were buying them, you know, if as long as they had five wearable, decent shirts, you know, I'm just throwing a number out there. I don't remember how much it was. Usually they had more than that because yeah. we thrift shopped and stuff. But, but if they were wanting new... You know, when we were going out shopping, we had to put a cap on it Mm -hmm. because it would just go on and on and on. And uh, so that seemed to work work pretty well, would you say? And sometimes we would do paying jobs around the house that they could— we had ways for them to earn money, Um, but that's that's another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. Now, moving on, and I I mentioned thrift shop. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I did save clothes— from one child to the next, um, I found that the best thing was just go through them, and if they look like they'd survive another child, then put them in the bin. Otherwise, don't. Um, and that worked really well um, until we had to move, and then I had to go through all those bins, and that was <laughs> something else. But all right, so now we're going to talk about cars. That's cars. your specialty, right? So what was the lesson you learned early on in terms of purchasing cars don't buy new mm-hmm. just don't buy new i i before i got married had a couple new cars and you know they were good quality cars with decent resale but even then you i took a financial bath on each one mm-hmm. you know so i'm making a car payment on a rapidly depreciating item i'm paying interest right and uh and the worst case is if you're making car payments on a car that isn't under a warranty, so you're repairing a depreciating car and you're paying interest on it. Right. That's like the worst case scenario. Right. But um, I would just buy. I, I would recommend buy a a good quality used vehicle. Uh, go ahead and and have it checked out by a mechanic. You know, it might cost you sixty bucks to have them look it over or something. But if you got a good mechanic, you trust him, knows his stuff. 
it's worth taking it in and, and having it looked over. And you might have um, a friend who's a mechanic. Or you might have a friend that can it do over. it. You know, um, They've got some of these diagnostic things you can plug in now that are awesome. Yeah, you can actually buy. Didn't Luke buy one? Yeah. So that's that's a good way to go. But I would buy them used. Um, I, I always like to buy... I had really good luck buying more luxury type vehicles from elderly retired people mm -hmm. because they still know how to maintain things right. and maintenance was important and they also had the financial wherewithal to maintain a vehicle. So you tend to get a, 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 a car that was taken really good care of, maintained really well, not used hard, um, that... Uh, would last and last. So um, that's another good thing to do. Is, and I like to buy it from a private party mm -hmm. because they know the vehicle. They right. know its history. They know what's happened to it. And mm -hmm. you can get, a, uh, they're just a little easier to work with. Right, um, right. Uh, you know, we've, we've experienced uh, sellers who have lied to us. That is something yeah. we have experienced. Never be in a hurry. I think that's a big yeah. one. My motto is never buy a car when you have to. Right. Um, because if you're, you know, try to try to be ahead of that curve and don't wait till your car completely gives out before you get one because then you're going to, under the under the gun, under pressure, you're going to maybe make a decision you shouldn't make just to try to fix a situation. So, right, right. You um, don't want it to be a crisis because we don't make good decisions in a crisis. Right. And there were times when we just had one yes. car. Yes. Because... That's what we could afford at the time, and we just made it work. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of an option sometimes. If you can get by with just one vehicle, uh, maintenance, insurance, taxes, license, all that stuff adds up. So It does. It adds up really quickly. And um, I know that when we bought—we have a Mercedes that we bought um, 10 years ago. It is a two 2000 it's a 2000. Right. And that has been the most reliable car we have ever owned. I bought it from a 96-year-old woman who just couldn't drive anymore. She had it in the garage through the winter, which is where we lived then. There was snow, so that was a huge bonus right. because it didn't freeze and thaw and freeze. You know, the lines didn't freeze mm -hmm. and thaw and all that. It was it was very well cared for. And then she, her family was the one who needed to sell the car. Right, and so mm -hmm. didn't they take it to the Mercedes they dealer? They took the Mercedes dealer, who which said, is a big ripoff, by the way. Said it needed a whole bunch of things that were all priced at Mercedes prices. <laughs> I'm sorry if you work at a Mercedes <laughs> yeah. dealer, but typically, a, a self-employed mechanic uh, will be your best bet dollar-wise. A lot of times at the dealership, what tell them what happens? Well, they just they just tend to to mark things up. Yes, you get red carpet service, right. but you pay for it. Right, right. So if that's what you want, then fine. But generally, uh, taking your vehicle to the dealer is going to cost you a lot more to be serviced than a private mechanic. Right, right. And but this car, you know, we've had it for over ten years. It's been great. It's got. Uh, over 220,000 miles on it. We've maintained it well, and it continues to service well. I don't know what I'll do if it ever dies because I, I love the car. We're going to be so sad if it ever dies. <laughs> it's kind of part of the family. So It has been. It's um, seen a lot a lot happen in our family. Yeah. <laughs> I feel it's, it's still like a family member. After 10 years, it's still worth over half what I paid for it. Right. So we, we haven't eaten really any depreciation, and it's mm -hmm. been reliable. And mm -hmm. But research your cars. Mm -hmm. You know, you can get on, you can get and look up the, the service history. You can look up, you can Google it, and there's a lot of people that have done um, surveys on them, and they'll tell you problem areas. Right. So, you know, so do a little the, research. The pluses and the minuses. Right, mm -hmm. right. So do a little research on it. Get a good used vehicle and pay cash for it. Right.
Right. And that's that was probably the best decision we ever made because, again, like if you buy a brand new car, I'm trying to paint the picture here. I think most people probably know this, but you buy a new car, you pay that sticker price. The second you drive it off the lot, it is no longer worth what the sticker price is. It drops in value by how much? Oh, at least 10, 20% just driving it off the lot. So it costs you that much more uh, because you're not going to get that back out of the car once you drive it off the lot. To me, that was like, wow. When when you explained it that way, I was like, oh, I am not doing that. (laughs) Yeah, and if you can afford to pay a little more, maybe you buy something that's a year or two old. Right. still going to be an expensive car, but somebody else has taken the brunt of the depreciation. They ate that depreciation and you you didn't. So, yeah, that's very, very true. Um, And again— the one thing our goal became probably, what was it, 25 years ago, our goal was we will only buy a car that we can pay cash for. We're not making payments. Mm-hmm. And we haven't. And yeah, and there's a lot of great used cars out there. You don't need to spend more than four or $5,000 and you can still get a great used car mm-hmm. that'll last you yep. for years. And then your insurance is cheaper as well. You were mentioning that right. earlier. But when we had the one car, I, we knew, well, this is just going to be for a season um, and it wasn't necessarily easy, but we did it because we wanted to be good stewards of what God had given us, and we didn't see any other way to do that in that situation. And you know what? That's good for us. It was mm-hmm. good for us. You know, I, I just, I think sometimes we're so, we don't want to be inconvenienced. We don't want to be put out. And yet um, there is a bit of satisfaction in just that self-discipline mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in living within those boundaries. Okay. So you talk about uh, another thing you mentioned when I were doing making up these notes ahead of time is monitoring utility use. <laughs> right. This right. is the man here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speak. <laughs> well, just, you know, turn your thermostat down at night mm-hmm. and throw an extra blanket on the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, showers, they don't need to be endless. Just, I mean, I know when I was a kid, we did it. You know, you get in, you get wet. That's a military shower. Uh, yeah. You soap up, you shut off the water, you soap up. When you're done there, you, you turn it back on and you rinse off. You I've know? never done that, by the way, just so you know. And I, I've never <laughs> insisted that she do that. No, he's, he's been very good about that. <laughs> but, you know, uh, long old showers and uh, cranking the thermostat, things like that. I yeah, mean, keeping, just keeping things within just, reason. Yeah. I like you what you said. You don't have to suffer, but, but it's But turning like, it down at night, maybe not turning it up quite as much or down quite as much during the day. Um, you know, put some cooler clothes on if you're if you're feeling like you need to up the air conditioning. Uh, put some warmer clothes on, sweaters, sweatshirts. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, we're teaching our kids to do the same. We were always telling our kids, shut off the lights, uh, take a reasonably short shower, which also it helped that they would run out of hot water because there were so many of them. Right. So that helped too. But, um, you know, Paying, uh, like you said, paying attention to where the thermostat is set. Um, so those are just some l- little things that can make a big difference, especially as utility prices go, go up. Like everything, yeah. All right. And there's something that I've heard people do. Maybe we've done this once or twice. And, and I wouldn't necessarily encourage this because we don't really encourage credit card use. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's good to, we think it's good to have a credit card just for emergencies, Mm -hmm. but you really, really, really try not to use it. But something that I know that people who are very disciplined can pull off is they would front load a credit card, a credit card that gave them cash back, gave them something back. Um, 
and they would front load those credit cards monthly and then pay their utility bills, their monthly bills with that card and then get that cash back. So they were kind of multiplying. They had to pay bills, but they were kind of getting paid back a little bit. Um, for doing that. Yeah, and if you can discipline yourself to pay it monthly, like I use an American Express that I get Mm -hmm. cash back. Well, and that's why I'm suggesting front load it. Yeah, in this case, I I don't front load it, but I'm disciplined to pay it off every month. But we just had over $400 in just cash back that we got from buying stuff I needed to buy, but just because I used that and then paid it off every month, you know, we saved a little extra. Right, what what do they say? Um, uh, a penny saved is a penny earned, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, like you said, those were things you had to buy anyway. And uh, and then, like, that penny saved, penny earned, I felt like that was something that I did. I, I, I produced an income, a passive income, I think is what you called it, um, by working to save money and to do well with what you gave she me. She took what I earned and she stretched it because mm-hmm. she was careful at home. Right, right. And there's lots of great money-saving blog bloggers out there and um, which is really kind of kind of fun. We didn't have that back then. We just had to figure it out. Right. But it was it was great. Um, and then let's see. Uh, okay, the last thing I want you to tell uh, real quickly is our story about um, housing and investment properties. because um, that's really how what God used to multiply our income. Yeah, we needed to, you know, in our case, we didn't have a big nest egg to go out and buy a separate house generally as an investment. So we pretty much lived in our investment. So we would, um, you know, like I bought, I had a house when we got married and uh, we decided that we were going to sell that. And and I went to her, Drinda's grandpa and asked him, okay, I want to buy a piece of land, you know, you got any tips? And he is kind of, uh, he dabbled in real estate. He loved that kind of stuff. He said, well, yeah, you find a piece of land you want, you go to the county, you find out who owns it, you send them a letter and say, hey, you want to sell this property? Right, you know? right. And so, so we drove around and we mm-hmm. found this property and and we're like, this is a great, this is a great area. This is, you know, nobody, nobody seems to be doing anything here. So we went to the county, found out who owned it, called him. Yeah. And it, and the guy was like, yeah, I don't, I'm not planning on well, doing Well, he said, I don't want to, I don't want to sell mine, but my brother owns the lot next door. Mm-hmm. And I know that he would like the money out of that. Right. So here's his contact information. Right. So we bought this piece of property and then. We, we built our we first built house. A house that I contracted myself. Mm-hmm. Um, there again, asking lots of questions of people because right. generally he never contracted a house. He does not have a contractor's license. He just dove in and learned. I wasn't. As he my went. dad was not a handyman. I wasn't. I didn't grow up with that. Right. But we learned. Yeah. And so we, and we actually took the money we got out of our other house, and credit cards, and built this house uh, because I couldn't get an owner builder loan. Right. Then once the house was done. I went and got a mortgage and paid off the credit cards. Right. So, and we got in, you know, that was our, we were, we were off and running then. So when we sold that house, of course, we made a good, good in, uh, profit on that. And we bought some land and set up a, a manufactured, a, a manufactured home. home and, uh, you know, just kind of, and granted, we for that time, we had to live in a rental for a little while, but most of the time we lived in our project. We right. would buy an old house and we'd remodel it. And we just kind of had to live in it. Right, and, and we didn't, 
you know, and back then when we started this, we weren't saying, okay, this is our plan. We're going to move every few years and we're going to invest. And that is just what unfolded as we prayed and we prayed asked the and Lord for wisdom. The Lord gave us wisdom and and, and he, led us to properties and he, led us to houses. He blessed and, it, and and He will. He does that. He He takes care of us, you mm-hmm. know. And, and with with a large family, it it uh, He said they're a blessing to a righteous man, and and they were. And He mm-hmm. took care of us and provided. And we had to do the work. Yeah, definitely. You know, and it wasn't always comfortable, but the Lord. It's very fulfilling, it. though. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when we were building our big house um, years later. This was, gosh, in 2009. Um, we had a little hiccup in how the financing was going to work. Um, and so we were down to the point where I would say, hey, can I go buy toothpaste? And he would say, sure, just let me go return this little bit of lumber and you can go buy some toilet paper and do this. We were down to I mean, it was that it was that nip and tuck. And our kids remember that, though. And they remembered that we worked as a team. And they helped us build this 4,600 square yep. foot house that we built for an a unbelievably ridiculous. small You amount. would fall over if you knew how little and, we and built that house we, for. We, we built it with the help of uh, friends, friends and, and hired who we could and the kids did a lot we Craigslist did a lot and, oh, you know the lord just was gracious and stretched our dollars and really blessed us with that yeah. and and yeah it was tight for a while but you know he met us he honored he it and he did. Uh, and our kids remember that and that, i think that's one of the biggest lessons that stuck in their mind in terms of how to handle finances and so they kind of walked that out as adults mm-hmm. and so that's been really encouraging to see so um, as you're walking out good stewardship of your finances, um, your kids are watching and they're learning. And mm-hmm. so, and we, we made mistakes along the way, but learning from those mistakes, I think, is the biggest, the biggest thing. If you, what did we say? We always say um, uh, it, it's not a failure if you learn something from it. Right. 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 So, and also, I think you mentioned um, before we, when we were talking about doing this podcast, if you're going to do that kind of thing, you need to make sure that your uh, inflated market versus uh, an increasing market. Yeah, you have to look at the housing market because if you're if you're in an already inflated market um, that may take an adjustment and go down, that that's not an, a market you want to invest in. Right. You know, uh, you need to wait until things go down. Yeah, or and, consider uh, moving consider somewhere moving. else. Like we mm-hmm. we we moved to to North Carolina, um, and our oldest daughter and her husband followed because where they lived, they couldn't afford to have a home and live on one income. Right. They could move here. Now they have a, a, a nice four-bedroom home um, at a modest price. Uh, she can stay home. Right. You know, so right. it was well worth the move to an area that had lower cost housing. Right. And our reason for moving is we wanted, we could afford to purchase vacation rentals, a vacation rental plus a home for ourselves with the funds that we brought over with us right. from the place that we sold, that was an inflated market. And it's so, a place that we love. Uh, yes, absolutely. This That wasn't the only yeah, thing I mean, that went into the decision. You don't have to move into like some, gosh, awful, horrible place right. to do this. You know, you, you want a place that you like. <laughs> right. And watch for, you know, the Lord's hand in it all. We just had a, such a peace about it. I think that was the biggest yeah. thing. And in all, everything, everything kind of connected and made sense. And that's underlying all of this. Everything we did was just... Uh, it was prayerfully done. Right, right. You know? And like we made mistakes along the way, but God is so faithful. And ultimately, at the end of the day, um, he is our provider. And so we look to him for wisdom. We look to him to help us steward what he's given us. And I think that's something we've always tried to say, like this is his money. Mm-hmm. We're just 
managing it. We want to be good stewards of it. And um, as we do that, he blesses it. So uh, I hope these tips have, uh, you found them helpful. Maybe, um, you know, tuck some away for later. Uh, Maybe some will be useful now, but I hope you were encouraged by today's podcast. Let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for the way that you pour out blessing upon us, Lord, as we walk in obedience to you. I pray for every family listening that you would give them wisdom and clear direction as they steward what you've given them. Please keep them from the spirit of fear, Lord, um, and just you said you didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. We don't need to be afraid of the future in terms of our finances. We need to, um, you know, take that and bring it to you and ask you to give us wisdom along the way because you are so faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.